Welcome to the Voice of Victory podcast. Today you'll hear a sermon from our 2022 scripture conference. We hope that this episode will be a challenge and an encouragement for you today. And my title is Abiding is the Key to Thriving. The reason that Colosseums are not filled with people in, in a heart of giving for the Bible is because the heart is not filled with a love for the Lord. That's the truth. It doesn't mean that people are bad. It just means that until we're thriving as an individual, we'll never join the army of the Lord to populate this earth with his word. When you go to John chapter 1, it says here, in the beginning was the what, please? Word. Tell me, is it capitalized? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. If you would, drop down to verse number 14. Verse number 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, did you understand? And I know you do, and, the, and I do not mean that as an insult, but do we all recognize, and, and, and is, it, is it really sinking in that the word was in heaven at the beginning? And then all of a sudden, that word decided to become flesh. And here is what I love about the name Emmanuel, God with us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And as he dwelt among us, the Bible says that, that they began to behold his glory. Do you know why we don't have glory in the church anymore and why people can come and they can go home and they can come and they can go home and they can take church and they can leave church? It's because there's not thriving in the church to where people are walking away going, oh my goodness. And you know it was a good service when you can't even explain it to the people around you. When the Bible says that Paul was caught up into the third heaven, he came back down and he said this, I can't even tell you what happened. And you know it was a good time in the house of God when you try to explain it and then you just look at him and say, you missed it. As he walked this earth, he gathered to him these disciples. These disciples loved him. Three and a half years, the word dwelt among them. They never wanted for anything. They may not have had a home to go to. They didn't have to have a home because they had the Savior. Every time they were hungry, he fed them. Every time they were lonely, he comforted them. And here you have a band of men that walked with the Savior, and as they walked, they saw his compassion. They saw how he loved. They saw how he taught. In fact, he went to a mountaintop in Matthew chapter 5, stayed there 6, 7, came back down in chapter 8, and all of a sudden, he gave them in these chapters on that mountain everything they needed to deal with the very first impact into mankind, and that was somebody with leprosy. Let me tell you, when they walked with him, they saw him. They didn't see a hypocritical God. They didn't see a God that said one thing on the mount and another thing behind closed door. This was the son of God. This was God. Woo! But then something happened. Go to John chapter 13. 
this honeymoon. Remember what they said when they were at the Mount of Transfiguration? Boy, it's good for us to be here. <laughs> what did they say? Let us make mm, tabernacles. Here's where we want to stay. They should have never said that. Mm. That's what Alabama said when they were ahead. It's good for us to be here. I'm still rejoicing, amen? See, are you a Tennessee fan? Nope, that had nothing to do with it. And uh, so I shouldn't have said that. I'm in Tennessee. So, but I want you to notice here in John chapter 13. So the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is as of the only begotten and they beheld this glory dozens and dozens and dozens of times. But then look at chapter 13, verse one. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. It just wasn't, it just wasn't the word dwelling among them. John represented how all the disciples felt when he laid his head on the chest of Jesus. John the beloved was just the representation. He loved them and they loved him. And Jesus knew in John chapter 13 that, that, that I'm, I gotta go away. Look at John chapter 14. In John chapter 14 and verse number one, knowing that he was going away, he said this, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Look at this, he declares it, I go. At this point, the disciples were like, whoa, time out, time out, time out. Look at verse number five. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest and how can we know the way? So there was this part of them, and I'm headed up to somewhere. There was this connect earthly between Jesus and the disciples. And now Jesus looks at the disciples and they were arm in arm and they were together. And if I could just pull this chair in and let this represent the disciples, they, they, they were inseparable. They, they were inseparable. But then the Savior says... John 13, I, it's time for me to go away. And I'm going to break the news to them I'm going. Then he steps out in John and he says, I, I go. And they were like, well, wait a minute. We've always been with you. And now you're going to leave us? How do we share this relationship without you here? He says, well, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. So, so I'm, I'm going to send a paraclete. I'm going to send a comforter. And I know you heard me talk a lot, the word. I know you heard me because I didn't have to study for what I was going to say. 
I didn't have to remember what I was going to say. I didn't have to have a cue card for what I'm going to say. There's a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board for nursery workers for the scripture conference. <laughs> I just thought I'd make an announcement right there. And uh, See, Jesus didn't have to study because he was the word. This is not all that God knows, but this is all God wants us to know. You see, because God condensed his word so that when he left us, he did not leave us without his mind. But what he said was this. I'm going to leave you the Holy Ghost. And when he left the Holy Ghost, so what would be the purpose of the Holy Ghost? Look at verse number 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have what please said. So go to John chapter 15. Oh, he said, I'm, I'm going to go, guys. It's time for me to depart. Then he declares to them, I go. Don't let your heart be troubled because I'm going to leave you the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm headed somewhere, y'all. And if y'all are okay, we're just going to walk through the word just a little bit. And, and he said, so I'm, I'm going to go. But, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to leave you. If you would let me illustrate something to you, not because I think that you need an illustration to remember it, because this is what you already know. But it is an illustration I love. Could, could I use you? Would that be okay? It's your fault for sitting on the front row. And could I use you? Would that be okay? Yes, sir. You sitting on the end. And it's your fault for sitting right there. So I, 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 I am, I'm going to, we're going to play parts here, if that'd be okay. So step up, if you would. You're going to be, you're going to be, who do you want to be? You don't know? Okay, neither do I. So I don't even know why I called you up. You're going to be God the Father. I'm going to be God the Son. You be God the Son, because I don't want to be crucified. And I'll be God the Holy Spirit. Now, let's, let's clear the deck, and we all know this. It is not major God, less God, lesser God. God's God. God is God. But when it said back there in Genesis, come back here, guys. We got back all the way up to Genesis and before then. Mm. No, 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 don't move it. I'm thinking about playing it. Okay, all right. Sorry. Turn around. Genesis, Genesis, let us make man. In the beginning, God, Elohim, plural God. You see, the God had existed long before Genesis was ever written. But the Trinity, don't ask me to explain it. Well, can you explain it with an egg? I'd much rather eat the egg than try to use a good egg to explain. Just start walking slowly. So the Trinity is walking through the Old Testament. The Trinity is making its way to Malik. You're too, don't, don't go that fast. We're running out of real estate. And, uh, and the Trinity, watch this. But after they shut off the lights in Malachi and they turn it back on with the light, the Son, stop, the Son of God became flesh. Go all the way down. <laughs> and 
dwelt among. Okay, face this way. Look at me. Stay even because we're going across. Ready? He lived 33 and a half years. Then he was betrayed. Then he was crucified. Stop. And then Jesus says, Jesus says, sorry, I got to go away. The day he went away in Acts, that was the day. Slowly, you and I are going to switch. That's the day that God switched with God. Did you hear that? And now he lives on the inside. And there is coming a day. Just keep walking. So there's coming a day that only the Father knows that hour. And then he's going to turn to the Son. And he's going to, go, he's going to say, go get him. Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. I propose to you tonight. How do we share that relationship that the disciples shared? Because in John chapter 15, he said this, I am the true vine. The reason Christianity is dying is because we're not attached to the vine. That's why church is boring. That's why teenagers are boring. That's why when you, they get married and now they're a young couple and now they're, they're, they're abandoning the house of God and you and I both know it's happening at a high rate of speed. Why? Because you can't detach from the vine and expect to live in an ungodly world as a Christian is not going to work. Not going to work. And so how do we stay attached to the vine? We'll keep reading in the text, if you would. Every branch in me. That beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word, which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. Now I want you to notice because we're spoiled Americans. Here's what we think. And right now the Holy Ghost has taken a right turn because I don't even know where I'm at in my notes. Here's where we're spoiled. There's a generation of teenagers Does it say abide in the word or abide in me? In me. Did you hear that? All of us know people who, and I'm not belittling this, and the word of God does its work, but how does a bunch of Bible-reading believers abandon the house of God? Do you know how they abandon it? They forgot the concept of the Bible. It tells us about him. It tells us about him. You see, I propose to you tonight 
It's not the amount of the word you read, but the amount of Jesus you see. And the reason individuals are not thriving, I'm not talking about you tonight, I'm talking about everybody else not here. Because I would hate to offend anybody in this auditorium. But if you're sitting here tonight and you are saying, I've read this and nothing happens to me, it's because you're reading it intellectually instead of reading it going, I need to see you. Have you ever seen somebody on the foreign field when they get a Bible? How many have seen, how many know what I'm talking about? They get that Bible and what do they do with that Bible? They take that Bible and they put it close to their chest because everything they've heard the missionaries say about him, now they get a book that's going to tell them about him. Then what makes the book come alive? It's the Holy Ghost that's on the inside of them and they can't believe that the book is alive and I understood that and look, look at that, I understood that. You know you're alive and I'm going to ask you a question that you can beat everybody else up out there because I'm not against you. When is the last time you talked about the book you just gave money to? When's the last time you lost track of time? Because you got enraptured in the pages. When is the last time that the preacher started preaching and your mind went, what in the world just happened? I was preaching in Indianapolis Friday night. And there's a young youth pastor there. He didn't even realize what he was saying. He was preaching about that plague. And he was preaching. I'm looking for something. I'm going to find it. There's a sign-up sheet. Okay, that's the wrong one right there. He took a lantern. And he took a lantern. He's trying to see what else is under here. (laughs) And, and, And there's some teenagers there. And he took a lantern. He was preaching about the plague. That the plague was sweeping across and people were dying. And Moses didn't go. But he sent Aaron. The priest. And all of a sudden I'm sitting in the back going. That's what he did for me. That's what he did for me. But how many sermons have we sat through? And it's just been like, well, that's just the Bible. I know what he's going to preach on now. We're in Malachi. Honey, did you give the tithe today? That way I don't have to listen. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Oh, yeah. Oh, the women are going to get it now. Do you know what we do? We come in like Olympic judges and we prejudge the word of God based on the text. We prejudge the word of God based on who's going to speak. We prejudge the word of God. Oh, we give a, we already peak during prayer. Who's up to sing? You know what's really crazy about this is? We're not looking for Jesus. 
We're just fulfilling a responsibility and a duty and we clock in and we clock out and we clock in and we clock out. Jesus said, I'm going away. But if you'll stay attached to me, how do I stay attached to you? Because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And what will the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit will take what I said as the word and he'll let you remember it and he'll let you see it. If this book's not alive in your life, then this book's not alive in your life. And if this book's not alive in your life, it's because you are doing the same things that they did to Jesus. Mm. You ready to take the book? Go to John chapter 5. Y'all, the word of God needs to impact and change us like it does the world. And I'm just going to be honest with you. And, and I say this with all the respect to the hoary heads. But how come there's not more young adults involved in this? John 5 in verse number 37. And the Father himself which has sent me, is Jesus talking, have borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape, and ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he has sent him ye believe not. Oh, look at verse 39. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. Well, show me in black and white why I, why I can't dress that way. Would you show me in black and white and prove to me? We have a millennial and a Gen Z generation that come to church and expect the preacher to know all the latest culture and prove to them. But you know what Jesus said? Search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life and they are they which testify of what? Me. Do you know what that word was meant to do? That word was not meant to prove a point. That word was meant to testify of Jesus Christ. And that when the word is magnified and you lift the word of God up and when you open the book in the morning and you get on your knees and say, I don't know much about what's going on, but I've got to see you. And then all of a sudden, if you start looking for him, then you're going to find him in Genesis. If you start looking for him, you're going to find him all the way through Revelation. And you can't stand it. When is the last time that you got excited about the word of God? Because when we get excited about the word of God, then we stay attached to the vine. I want to be attached to Jesus. He said, I am the true vine. He did not say, if you abide in this, he said, you abide in me. And what does he use to keep us attached That's why when people lose interest in Jesus, 
they put down the word. Pastors, don't we know this? When somebody's struggling with their Christian life, what is the first thing we ask them? Are you, what? Are you reading your Bible? Why? Because this will tell you about him, which makes you love him. And by the way, anything about him. I don't know, Brother Matt, if you're going to remember this. I didn't know that you were going to be here. I forgot that I read in the letter that, that Brother Bobby sent me. And I'm just going to call you Brother Bobby with all the due respect because I like that name. And uh, so it's a name. Uh, okay. And uh, but Brother Matt was preaching at a youth conference. I don't know if you remember preaching about um, the man of God that climbed up, climbed up on top of the boy. You're preaching about sneezing. You're preaching about, and I was sitting behind you, and you were just, bitch, you were getting into it. And I'm sitting there watching you, my friend. This has been years ago. You're old. And, and I was, and I was I, you got more gray hair than I do. And uh, so, just hope it doesn't rain, okay? Y'all, y'all, I only brought two wigs, and, and I got I to gotta fix this one ever so often. But he started talking about Jesus, if you could see it the way Jesus sees it. If, if, if his, lips, his lips could touch your lips. Y'all remember the story in the Old Testament? I, for me, all of a sudden he painted a picture of what Jesus did to me at 17 years of age and I couldn't stand it. You see, abide in him. He said, if you abide in me and then let my words abide in you. Y'all, this is a dynamic duo book that you have in your hand. This book will tell me about him. And the more I love him, the more I want to see him in this book. And then the more I see him in this book, the more I see. And by the way, that's why Ephesians chapter 5 says, speaking to yourselves in Psalms hymns, spiritual songs, making what in your heart? Melody. And then can anybody tell me what is on the heels of that? Spirit fullness is on the heels of that. Have you ever been looking at, at listening to somebody sing and you're like, oh, oh, oh my goodness. How many ever been there? And you're like, man, I, I just, somebody needs to stand up and say something. I was sitting next to a girl one time that I was in love with. I was always in love. <laughs> and the preacher's preaching. And she looked at me and she said, mm, I love a man who says amen. <laughs> I was 16. She was 18. I've always loved older women. That's why I married Kelly. <laughs> oh, oh, I did not mean that. <laughs> and uh, so, so I was like, Amen. She goes, mm. I, I didn't hear it. That woman was setting me up. Amen. There are five things that will happen to you that will make your life thrive when it comes to abiding in Jesus and staying close to the word. Would you look at him in John 15 and I'm done. The first thing that begins to happen 
is John 15 and verse number one. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. But every, but every branch that beareth fruit, he does what, please? Purgeth it. Now, you can't bear fruit unless you're in him. But if you're in him, and then what he says abides in you, you're abiding in him. His word begins to abide in you. It creates this momentum. Most Christians don't have momentum because they have not broken through to try to see Jesus in what they read in the book. But once you see Jesus, then once you hear his words, then you see Jesus, then you see him in his word. Then you start seeing him everywhere. Then you start seeing him in songs. And then you start seeing him in believers. Then you start seeing him. And now you're this spiritual nut that you smile all the time. And you look like a used car salesman. And people are like, what are you up to? And it's just like, I don't know. I just love Jesus. And, and, and this is wonderful. But, but, but. The further you get away from him, the further you get away from the book. Now let me pause and say this. So where do I get my feeling in Christianity? That's where the charismatics have focused on the Holy Spirit. Not realizing. Because when you change the word, did you hear what I'm about to say? When you move off the King James... You have to get mystical. And now it's all about. You know how you clear out a charismatic church? Stop their music. And say, we're just going to preach. It's true. Ooh, I feel like I treat a rabbit, and I don't know if I can do that in Tennessee. I don't even have a license. And last time I didn't have a license, I almost went to prison for 10 years. All right, so let's move on. Look what it says there, purging. The first thing that begins to happen to somebody, and you're going to find it in your life, you're going to find out that if you have things in your life, the Bible is very clear, you abide in him. And then all of a sudden, God is going to start purging you. You see, the best way to get rid of an addiction is not to focus on the addiction. The best way to get rid of an addiction is to focus on Jesus and get in his word and focus on Jesus and get in his word. He said this, the truth shall make you free. And then he said, you'll be my disciples. I'm telling you right now. You say, well, what's, what's wrong with my, why can't my teenage son make it over that barrier? Because he's not about Jesus and he's not in his word. That's why camp is amazing. Conferences are amazing. Why? Because it's just just about Jesus and the word purge that's what's going to start happening and when people are thriving it's because I want to see Jesus and and I know that the more I read this book the more I'm going to see and the second thing is this holiness look at verse number three now ye are what please clean through the word did you hear that because once you've taken out and you've purged now there's a holiness. If the ESV and all the other perversions are so good, why is there not more holiness among its readers? If the ESV 
And all of the other perversions are so good. Is that how I said it, sir? Why? Y'all, this is when you hit the replay button, all right? Then how come there's not more holiness? Because they have lost sight of his holiness. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Y'all, you know what we've lost? We've lost a reverence. And let everyone that names the name of Christ Why would I want to interact with something that put my Savior on the cross? I'm not perfect, but I'm going to tell you right now, we've lost the holiness factor. He said, I'm going away, guys. But I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit to remind you of what I said. That way, we can be as close as we were when I walked with you. Don't start thinking the disciples had a better relationship with the Savior than we do. My friend, he left us his word. He left us his spirit. And if your Christian life is not thriving, it's not the seed's fault. It's not the word of God's fault. It's not the Holy Spirit of God on the inside's fault. It's because we're looking for something that is tangible rather than looking for him in everything that we do. It'll bring about a purging. It'll bring about a holiness. And then look at verse number four and verse number five. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. I want everybody to read the last phrase with me if you would. For without me ye can do nothing. Somebody tell me the number one thing that God hates. Pride. Pride. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what's missing in our life? A humility. A humility that says, God, I can't do this without you. I can't do this without you. And do you know what God does? God looks down and says, you couldn't get saved without me. You can't go to heaven without me. So you can't do nothing without me. And when you abide in him and you look in that word, you're going to come to the realization that Paul tried to tell the Galatians in Galatians 3, 3, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect? With the flesh? You know what abiding in Christ does? It keeps you where we all should be. We're just sinners saved by grace. That's all we are. Are y'all tired of church politics? Are you tired of the phone call? How many did you have Sunday, brother? The kind of phone calls we need to have What'd you preach on? Yeah. 
What'd you preach on? What'd you get out of your Bible? The humility is missing among the servants of God. But I'll tell you this much. You move off that book right there. And pastors, have you seen it? When somebody moves off the book, they become superior in intellect. And then they take out their phone and they Google it. Where's the humility? Where's the, I'll tell you where it comes from. Philippians. And he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon himself the form of a servant and humbled himself and became obedient even unto the death of the cross. Pastor, could I be so bold as one of your fellow laborers when we get prideful? It's because we're not abiding in him. We should never approach his work with our tenure. Well, I have been doing this now for since Noah got off the ark and I would like to grace you with my experience. No matter how old I am or you are, and by the way, old as anybody 56 or older. No matter, oh, good night. I didn't even see the time. I am sorry. No matter how old we are, nobody's older than that book. That's why I love when members say, well, I've given so much money to this church. Uh, Ma'am, sir, no matter how much money you've given to this church, you hadn't given your blood. You don't have near invested in this church what he has invested. But when you start abiding in him and you're like, I want to see him, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I want to know him. I want to see him in the word. I want to see him. I just have to get more of him. Then what's going to happen is, you're going to start purging and then holiness comes. I'm headed somewhere. I'm headed to Denny's. All right, so here we go. And holiness, dependence. Can we just put it in our lives? Are you ready? You can fake the first three. And brother, this is where I'm going to come to you and say how much I appreciate you and how much I appreciate you. You can fake purging. You can fake holiness. You can fake humility. But you cannot fake verse 7. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Let's not talk about what you say. The biggest stamp is answered prayer. When is the last time that God answered a prayer? How long has it been 
since he answered a prayer. And I'm not talking about your bathroom scales with your food that you asked to bless. I'm talking about the last time you needed something. And you got on your knees and you said, I'm not going to the bank. I'm not going to the rich uncle. I am coming to you telling you, I love you. I can't do this without you. I adore you. And I have a need. And God, if you don't come through, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Please, God, I'm begging you. Ladies and gentlemen, we can manufacture holiness and humility and purging but you can't manufacture answered prayer. The longer I live, the more I appreciate my mom and my dad. My dad was in college. We were just little. We didn't have anything. I was in grade school. He was in Bible college and lights are shut off. My dad was embarrassed my mom at the table and you knew something was wrong because she said tonight we're going to have candlelight dinner. Okay. And I saw my daddy. I say, God, as you can tell, we don't have anything. At about that time, I was there. Light flickering. And it was my grandfather. My grandfather lived in Michigan. We were in Gary, Indiana. And my grandfather said, was just passing through. Let me tell you something. You can tell people abide because you ask what you will. Can I ask you a question? If I asked you right now, do you love him? There'd be no doubt you'd raise your hand. If I asked you right now, do you read his word? Oh yeah, I read his word. But are you abiding in him? Do you approach the word with, I want to see you? Do you approach when the pastor opens the book and go, God, I want to see you today. I want to see you. I've been pastoring two churches for a little bit here. And since April until just about six weeks ago, I would drive 50 miles and preach at 8. And I'd drive back and preach at Emmanuel at 1030. Then I'd drive back at 3. And then I drive back at 5.30. It's made for a long. I do a Wednesday night Bible study and then I do a Thursday night. And I said, God, this church needs to see that your hand is still upon them. And I'm driving down. I'm like, God, God, they've got to see this is worth the fight. Would you do something? You've 
got to do something. It's a Spanish church. I don't know Spanish. I have an interpreter. I pulled that truck in. I unlocked the gate, and I'm the only one on the parking lot. God, I've got to see this. Something's got to happen. I prayed all the way down, and God, something's got to happen. Pretty soon, this car pulls in, and this white kid gets out. He's six foot two. He comes walking up, and, he, and I said, hey, are you looking for something? He goes, you know, I, w- I forgot y'all were up there. Um, I, I, he said, you know, this morning I got up, and something told me to come to church. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will. What is it that you need God to do? Then where's that secret to do it? Abiding is the key to thriving. And ladies and gentlemen, it's not how much Bible you read, but how much Jesus you see. And I think that even tonight before you go to bed, I think you need to take the word that we have raised money for. And I think you need to act like you're on the foreign field and you've never seen one. You ever find yourself singing to them? To Jesus every day I find my heart is closer drawn. He's fairer than the glory of the gold and purple dawn. He's all my fancy pictures in my fairest dreams and more. Each day he grows still sweeter than he was the day before. The half cannot be fancied this side the golden shore. For there, I'm going to tell you right now, You know what we've lost? A passionate Christianity. And the reason there's no passion is not because we don't have the word. It's because we're not abiding in him. Let's abide in him, brethren. And when we abide in him, there'll be no shortage of funds. When we abide in him, your prayer list start checking off. If I were to ask you when's the last time you had an answer to prayer, what would your answer be? You say, Pastor, there's so many things on my prayer list. Keep abiding. Keep abiding. Keep abiding. Keep abiding. Keep abiding. Keep abiding. Read his word. Abide. 